Hey everyone, I'm Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold, and you're listening to Season 2 of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. This podcast takes a deep dive into what it takes to be a match director, manufacturer, sponsored shooter, or just an everyday shooter trying to win his or her first major. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Today I'm sitting down with a lady I met a while back by the name of Gabby Franco. How you doing, Gabby? Very good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for wanting to be on the show. It's been a, We've been talking about it for a while, and both of our schedules are always crazy, and you're always running from one match to the other, having I to represent know. this, represent that. You do a lot with so much, which we'll get into in a second. So sure. let's talk about when, yes. when did shooting become something for you, you know, I know you've got a vast history, which we'll get into as the conversation goes. But when did you even first find out about shooting? Well, I didn't. Okay. My, well, my dad, pretty much, he back oh, okay. in Venezuela. Okay. He uh, went to a gun range to get his concealed carry license. When in Venezuela, people were allowed to get concealed carry licenses. Okay. Okay. And he just wanted to get his course and all that stuff. And he saw a bunch of kids with these weird guns. And he was like, what is this? And then he learned that that range had a junior shooting team, an Olympic shooting team. Really? And then he was like, hmm, I have three girls at home. So he right away, he put the three of us, my older sister, my younger sister, myself, into right. shooting. Right. Um, but funny thing is that my older sister, she's four years older than me. Okay. And she is the one who started shooting. My dad thought that my younger sister 10 and me or nine and 10 at the time we were too young to use air pistols so he kept us for a year doing draw firing so we do nine 10 and 14 was it was where they now about i'm still trying to figure out because it took us like a year yeah my dad kept us for doing draw firing right did and you, then I was like, I want to do what my older sister does. So how did you know, how did your dad know about dry firing a while, that, a while, a while because ago? Because of the junior, because of the team. Okay. Because the junior team. Yes. That was, that they were doing dry firing all right, the time. Okay. Right. And so my older sister started it and then my younger sister and I started shooting almost like a year later. Right. Which, you know, people ask me all the time. That is, you know, you fell in love with shooting with the guns. I'm like, I just wanted to do what my older sister was doing. You so, know every, what I mean? so everything where you got started just because your your sister was doing it. So there was no really, it was just kind of a, a just no, no personal drive. You just want to do what your well, older sister was doing because you looked up to her. Well, at first, at first, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, we were trying it and to me, it was very interesting shooting, Olympic shooting, for those who don't know, air pistol. That's how I started. Okay. Um, we shoot offhand, one-handed, and the target's at 10 meters. And so me as an observant, you know, it seems easy. How difficult could it be? The target doesn't move. The shooter doesn't move. Right. Uh, there's no recoil. It looks like a, you know, a little pellet right. going down range. And then you go behind the gun and it's so freaking hard right. to shoot that bullseye, which is the diameter is like one centimeter diameter. So you and were so, you were 11 yes. when you first started shooting after right. the dry fire, 11. Right. Okay. And so it turned out to be more like, uh, man, let me try it again. Okay. It seems, so you didn't give like, up? Let me tr- no. Okay. Would it you- was like a constant, let me try it again. Like, it cannot be that difficult. Right. Um, And, and I just continued doing it. <laughs> so 
at 11. Yeah. You're, you're doing air pistols. Yes. And that was, when did you realize that it was something that you wanted to continue, like to be on a team or whatever that looked like back then? When did you realize, okay, I want to continue to do this? Because at 11 years old, you're, right. I'm, I'm, you know, opportunities were different in Venezuela then. And, there, you know, there's so many different things you could choose to do. Why, why did you continue to choose to do this? Because I did everything else. Okay. So I, our, uh, my parents, um, they put us, at least me that I can remember, swimming, okay. dancing, ballet, gymnastics, mm-hmm. and none of those things. Okay. Like, you know, uh, when gymnastic came and I have to go to splits, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> uh, no, I won't go back. <laughs> and I never went back. OK. And, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I my parents really exposed us to everything. OK. And shooting seemed, you know, to me, it seemed like a, an easy thing to do. OK. But yet it was like more on a like a personal battle there was no pain there was no rush there was nothing out of the ordinary like i had to be super strong or super big or anything like that and yet it was so hard and and so i think that's what really stuck to me the constant i'm gonna try it again and to that point a few years later when we had more Kids, I'm saying kids, teenagers and yeah. stuff. Um, the city or the range hired an instru- uh, an actual coach. Okay. Uh, he had, they hired a coach, a professional coach. Right. And, you know, he rattled. You know, I was a rattled. He kind of organized us, you know, and, and I guess that, that, that helped a lot too to okay. see our future. So know? when that started happening, I guess you're 12, 13 by this time? Mm, probably more like 13, 14. Okay, 13, 14. So before that, it was just like uh, going weekends and okay. shooting here and there. Uh, when he came, it came like, okay, no, we're training Tuesday through Sundays. Right. Or three Tuesdays. Yeah, Tuesday through Sundays. Were you, were you excited about that as a kid? Or were you like, oh gosh, they're making this now... In other words, before you're wanting to do it, yes, because it was, you know, you I mm-hmm. want to. Now there's a coach, there's organization. Now I have to do it. Right. Were you ready for that mindset change? I think I was. And, okay. and the main reason was, you know, I was, um, I'm going to say more, I was a more mature okay. teen and I did like it. Okay. I did like the 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 the, the air pistol. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. I wanted to shoot sport pistol, 222. Uh, at that time, I don't think I shot 22 yet. Right. Um, and he was like, uh, like a good path. Like when, when we talked to him, it's like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to be a team. And the plan is that we're going to go to shoot matches at re- regional, then go mm-hmm. to nationals. And it's like, your mind is like, I'm no, I want to say nobody talked to me about it. You didn't know all but I didn't available. see myself like really doing those things. Okay. Uh, with him, he, his name. It's Guillermo. Yeah. Uh, he's still alive. He's Guillermo. Uh, he was very, I don't know, very embracing in the sport. He was not just like an instructor who would be like, oh, we're going to do this. And no, he was a very loving. Right. Maybe part of a Hispanic vibe. He was yeah. very loving, very understanding. Um, and so he made it easier for 
me and I'm sure all the teens who were on the team to continue. What did what what were your parents always supportive that when you were going through these years of continuing to do this when when an instructor came along? Did they did they know, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you got your family who's doing you're mm-hmm. doing this with yeah. and it's a family matter. Yeah. And all of a sudden this gentleman comes into your life. Right. That now becomes your coach. Right. Mentor. Oh, yeah. Um, and almost support, like a father support, figure. Yeah, I was going to say support group or even a father figure. Yeah. How did your family feel about that when it first happened? I They loved it. Okay. My dad, especially my dad. Had, I mean, I love my dad dearly. Yeah. And one of the things that he's done with us, my siblings and me, is that he also got into the sport. Never, he had never done air pistol. Okay. And he said, I'm going to put my girls, I'm going to do it too. Right. Oh, for instance, my brother, who's 10 years younger than me, mm-hmm. he didn't, he shoots and all that, but he didn't sh- chose the Olympic shooting path. Yeah. He chose tennis. Well, my dad became a tennis player. Oh, wow. So, you know what I mean? So my dad no. has always been that supportive, not only as a observant. Right. Or as a, how you call it, like a hey, cheerleader? No, I, I can relate with that because I worked a lot of jobs in retail growing up. And everywhere I went to go work, my dad would go come buy something <laughs> everywhere I worked I love, pretty much. And, and, and it's a support. And, you know? yes, and, it's, and it's phenomenal. <laughs> so my dad, had, he had that uh, and definitely loved it. And for him to see that now... He didn't have to try to figure things out. Right. There's somebody who knows how to do things. You know, uh, he, they were, you know, very, very happy for so sure. At 14 years and old. Let me say something. Oh, please, else. please, please, please. Very interesting. My mother, I asked her this year, never have never fired a gun. Oh. And she was the one who would take us to the gun range. Yeah. She would travel with us. She was like weekends, you know, making sure that we do our drive firing. He and I asked her, Mom, you have never shot that? I said, No, I'm not into that. But I know when your dad always said we need to have a gun for self defense or when he go hunting. Yeah. And you girls, I was all for it. So I always give props to my mother wow. that not having, even you can say whatever you want to say. Oh, she should have practiced, whatever. Okay. But the fact that she was not into it, but had the open mind yes. to see value mm-hmm. in something that she didn't share it or whatever, but she saw value on my dad for self-defense yeah. or my dad for hunting or us. Can you imagine if my mom said, oh, I don't like guns. So my kids, my daughters are not going to do shooting. I wouldn't have gone to the Olympic Games. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that with <laughs> yeah. me. Have you ever got her to pull the trigger since then or she's still no no <laughs> so never still I, asked, not I asked the trigger. her this year because okay. i don't know how the question popped in my head uh-huh. i guess somebody asked me i said yeah and then i thought i don't think i ever saw my mom <laughs> and then i asked her and she right. said no <laughs> i mean you know you say whatever you want to say no it's okay she's yeah. got her, her dad's her bodyguard yes <laughs> 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 she but, has her own security system. But, She's I, fine. I, I, but over than anything, give her props to have that open mind. Right. You know, open mind uh, to go beyond yeah. what she believes or she likes or, or dislikes. Right. That's yeah. so cool. Thanks for sharing <laughs> that with me. So at 14 years old, the coach comes in. Yeah. Did you realize then that based on everything he laid out, that there was a chance that you could go to the Olympics? Not in a million years. Okay. 
No. So tell me how that worked. I I was always looking forward to to go training. I mean, we train six days a week. Wow. After school, um, my mother will take us to the range. We train for about three, four hours, go back home, do homework. Mm-hmm do everything else and go back to sleep and like say comes by and I did all that for 10 years so wow. if you think about it most of I most of my high school years went through like the, all of my high school years went through and that in, in that routine mm-hmm. um but I loved it I loved it and and, and more than anything is because I'm not gonna say immediately but soon after I started seeing results okay. I started seeing that Oh, wow. You know, now I don't shoot a bullseye once in a blue moon. Now there's a path to it. I just need to follow it. And there's this instruction. And if I follow those instructions to the T, you know, there are more chances that more bullseye is going to, my pellet is going to hit the bullseye. So uh, seeing that result, it kind of confirmed, it was a confirmation of, oh, yeah, I want to go back again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back again the weekend. Um, and shooting became literally, besides school, my life mm-hmm. as a teen. Um, and, and, and what I think made that easier for me was my siblings were there, too. Yeah. My parents were involved. So your parents were, I mean, your, your, your sisters were still shooting? Yeah. Okay. Well, not right now. I mean, no. then they were yeah, still shooting. They did. Okay. They did for a, for a little while until my older sister went to the university okay. uh, to do mechanical engineering. Oh, so wow. you can imagine that it was a little bit hard. That, that's so a little she, <laughs> she kind of stopped. Yeah. And then my younger sister went to um, study um, what would be in English. I think it would be marketing. Okay. Uh, and so she also stopped. Okay. I was the only one who talk with it um because i got um the word wouldn't be addiction the word would be ah like fascinated like in love with the sport the improvement and traveling overseas okay so you went you when you know explain to me the path yeah that it took to get to the olympics oh okay from venezuela so you have local matches uh-huh. and then after that what comes next so we uh, we went to it wasn't my city a big match okay a national match and i'm if i'm not mistaken I, I i won bronze medal it wasn't like a national it was not like a national right but it wasn't like a big competition okay and i won bronze medal and that match which i didn't know was also they were picking the team to go to an international competition in Peru. You didn't know. I didn't know. What do you mean you didn't know? Your coach didn't want to tell you or didn't want to put the pressure on you or you just didn't ask? I guess I, of- <laughs> I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't ask. How old were you? 16. Okay, 16 years old. 16. So, okay, continue. So, I was just going go to on. a comp- I was just going to a competition. Right. And I won uh, the bronze medal. Okay. And then the my coach and the president of the association of my city they talked to the federation and they really fought for me because I was doing well in other matches, but that was like a big one. So they, they wanted to, the national team to give me a chance. Like here, here's this young lady. Wow. Give her a chance. Right. Um, make her, take her to one international competition. There's potential. And they, then I went to my first international competition, which was in Peru. Okay. In 1997. Okay. 
and um, I won silver medal there. That was okay. my first ever international competition, right. and and since then I became the Venezuela part of the Venezuelan national team. Oh wow, that's so. <laughs> it cool. was like a like an opening, and I mean for me for the opportunities right. like wow there's a possible the other possibilities no opportunities are possibilities right you know when i went to this international competition again it's not like i didn't go thinking i'm gonna lose but my coaches and i've been very blessed with the mentality that they uh, always seated in me is that what is worth is your work because you have no control of how the other shooters can shoot. You can have your best match of your life and they can have the best match of their lives too. And right. you can still be fourth place. Doesn't mean that you're loser. Well, on paper maybe, mm -hmm. but you are into yourself, into your team, into yourself and personal growth. Right. You're a winner too. So I went to this match not expecting anything but right. doing my good work right. in shooting and I ended up winning my first silver medal. And that was in, was that the Olympics? No, or, that okay. was in Peru. That was in Peru. Then like first, just, just, just like an international, like national Okay, that was thing. a Bolivarian Games. Okay. So Bolivarian Games being the, um, Bolivia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Colombia. So a few group of countries. So regional things. Right. right. Okay, good and, deal. And, and, and the, yeah, in South America. Yes. So the way, you know, we go to Bolivarian Games. Venezuela, because we're part of that group. Mm -hmm. Then we also go to the South American Games, because we are in South America and we're part of that group. Correct. But Venezuela also goes to Central American Games, because we are part of the Central America. Yes. yes. Somewhat. And, or the Caribbean, right? And then Pan American Games. Yeah. Okay. So I had to go to all, the, all that cycle. Okay. So I won silver medal at the Bolivarian Games. Okay. Then at the South American Games, then at the Central American Games, which were in Venezuela, all silver medals. Silver, silver, silver. Silver, silver, silver. Continue. So then came the Pan American Games in 1999 in okay. Canada. And that was a whole deal. That would be another story for another day. But to make it short, Please. there was politics within the... Um, what's that? No politics. There was a father of a shooter who thought their shoot, his son had more chances to win a medal than I did. Even though I won the female spot right, and another shooter won the male spot, right. they wanted to take my spot. Wow. To go. Um, you know, uh, I'm blessed that I have people who support me and believed in me. And So is this the first time that you saw behind the lens of yeah. the politics yeah. behind the shooting sports? Yes. And this is ironic. I, I, I will grant my memory about that to sports psychologists and my coaches because I talked to my mom about it. I very little remember my stress level, but mom, my mom said that I was. Really? Yes, that I was. Um, so much so that I got sick and it was a big deal because, you know, we do doping. And so I couldn't take certain medications. That's right. And anyways, I ended up going to, we were at the airport. Okay. And uh, this person had sued the Venezuelan Shooting Federation. Right. And I remember being at the airport not knowing if I was going to 
hop on the airplane going to the Pan American Games. Imagine the stress I had thinking, what about if this person is right? What about if I'm not good enough? What about if I go to this competition and I don't shoot well? Right. But that time I had, this is 1999, I had a, uh, a, a national sh- uh, coach. Who a coach for the national team? Okay. His name was passed away years ago. Otar, Otar Kivirikashvili. Okay. He was from the Republic of Georgia. Very strict. He was. How did you handle the coaching change? Um, well, I run. Th- this is the amazing part. Okay. That Otar was back in the day uh, Guillermo's coach. Ah. Uh, when Guillermo was an athlete. History. And and so they have different style, personality. Right. I would say style, personality. on how to convey certain things, uh, but the technique was the same, pretty much, fairly similar. Right. And um, so oh, that was very straightforward. He would not say, "Oh, you know," and you're gonna say he would just look at you straight in the face. You know, if I was tired, to you know, I'm tired, uh, whatever. I don't want to do this. He would look at me and say, "Okay." You know, there are many girls who want your spot, right? I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he oh wow. not, Yeah, he would go straight forward and tell you in the face what it, it is. So um, from both of my coaches, I've learned so I, when I want to teach. Some people say that I'm like a sweet and sour coach. Okay, okay. <laughs> because I can, I'm very friendly and all that. But if I'm going to tell you something... I just go straight to the it, point. It's time to listen. It's time, yeah. So, uh, Otar, I remember he, he in the, on the airplane, we hopped on the airplane and all the stuff. I'm telling him that I was anxious. I didn't know, you know, how he, I was that nervous. Yeah. Right. And he, and he looked at me and he said, you know what? If you win or you, if you don't win, you're still going to go home. Your house is going to be in the same place. Your mother is going to love you the same. Your dad is going to love you the same. Your family is going to love you the same. Nothing is going to change. The sun is not going to change. The world is not going to change. And you will still be part of the national team because sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. So all I need you to do is to do your work. Wow. Period. You and remember that conversation like I it do. happened yesterday. I do. Yeah. I do because... um. I'm not going to say that it changed me like, oh, now I'm relaxed. Right. You know, now I'm like, oh, I got this. But it was your moment of clarity. Yes. It was a moment to put things in perspective. Yeah. You know, I was thinking like this was, it was either going to make my world or destroy it. Right. And he told me, no, whatever happens, there, it's not going to make it or destroy it. It's just it. Right. It's just at it. It's either a metal. What is a metal? You know, what can destroy is your ego. What can destroy is your emotions. But, okay, it's something that you can control. But everything else is going to be the same. So, yeah, you know, I've had such amazing um, memories and, and, and things that I carry on, not right. only in shooting, right. but in my whole life from these amazing two coaches. Well, well, let's take a quick break. Listen to one yes. of our sponsors. Then we'll get into the Olympics yes. and where we're at today. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. Take a quick break from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by Kana Gold. Kana Gold is a premier lifestyle brand for those who work hard and play harder. 
There are many hemp companies out there that get lost in the crowd, but Kana Gold sets the gold standard with its premier line of products. When traveling all around with a magical mystery tour to different matches, I travel around with lots of different flavors, including pink grapefruit, candy apple, and vanilla cherry. Make sure to stop by and get some for yourself. They are all zero calories, zero sugar, use organic hemp, and are THC and CBD free. Competitive shooters love them because there's no shakes, no headaches, and no crash. When you order from conagoldhemp.com, make sure to use discount code HUNTERSHD for another 20% off. All right. So after the Pan American. Oh, no. I haven't told anything. How, how, did, you, how did you finish? I So quick. I shot the match. Okay. Right. And I look and I am second place. Again. And I'm like, again. <laughs> and I'm like, but this is this does it gets better. Okay. Because I don't remember. Okay, let's see if my teammate Felipe shot his finals before me or was his match before me, something like that. I remember being outside. It's Canada. It was not it was in the summer, but I still remember needed to go outside and feeling the heat because I was shaking. Oh wow! You know, I was I like I I feel like I needed that heat to warm me up because I was shaking. Anyway, then I had to go to my finals. I am second place. I had to go to my finals, and it was Canada, Venezuela, Cuba, Cuba, and I don't remember what else. And it was fairly tight the competition. Well, um, shooting, blah blah blah. I distinctively remember my last shot was not necessarily the best shot. You know what okay. I mean? One of those shots I can break it easily (laughs) okay i'm like shot and i was like oh that was the last shot whatever put the gun down you know keep my little pistol open put it down and i did not want it to look and then i look like quickly like you know kind of scared like oh what is it gonna be and i saw second place again and I'm like, again. <laughs> and here comes my coach with this a big smile. People from other South American countries uh, and Latinos, you know, yeah. were there shooting. Ah, oh, you did it. And I'm thinking, I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, I got a silver medal in the Pan American Games. I'm thinking, okay. I just got a silver medal right. again, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, right. What did I do? And then they said, got it. You don't know. I'm like, no, what? Gold and silver are plus at the Olympic Games. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't tell sil- you that either. <laughs> no. So my silver, my silver didn't look that bad anymore. Wow. Yeah. So that is one of the most precious things because you know in many countries like here the classes exist already there and they just need to go to national to fill them up right to go to these international competitions us in many of our countries we have to go out and get gain points get qualified qual- yeah. yeah to get a spot to go to the olympic games so Holy the moly. fact that i earned that spot and and being the first female shooter venezuelan right female shooter to go to an olympic games wow yeah so do you think everybody it seems like they knew (laughs) that if you finished silver you were qualified do you think it had been different if you knew that going into it 
Um, or you possibly, are, or I don't you're know. so focused where you're at at that moment. So. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Just, I, I really like that. My coach's strategies because my coach's strategy was never like, a, okay, go in, do this. It, they always focus on process. Okay. You know, it, for him, it did not matter. To give you an example, I have won. I want to remember this thing to play. I won a national championship, but I shot. I don't know if this would make sense better worse <laughs> mm-hmm. than everyone else. Right. I didn't shoot my best. I didn't hit my best record. And it seems like everybody didn't shoot good. Right. Well, Otar did not look at me. He did not talk to me. He obviously did not congratulate me. Right. For him, that it, that medal was worth what? Nothing. Wow. So, um, I'm like I'm saying, I'm very blessed that the perspective that they constantly um, sit in me. Right. That, you know, you 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 can be last, but if you fail, if you tumbled, and you still were able to compose yourself, yeah. put yourself together, and keep on going, and you finish, that's a win. That's amazing. You know? So, I, I really love that um they, they they were like that very cool so now you're going to the olympics yes surreal the new coach same coach yeah same coach same coach because yes. that's right he's a national coach yes and when you get to go was your was your mom or dad with you on this trip in no. canada okay no. so when you get to make that phone call mm-hmm. or get or let your parents yes. know that you made the olympic team what that look like oh my god i I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> the truth. I blacked out. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't remember, but okay. it was a big deal in my city. Yes. I I receive, I have pictures I'm sure in, my, in my house. I have a bit of newspaper picture yes. that in the city, they received me with um, a little teddy bear of the yeah. annual, you know, the bear of the city and right. flowers. It was a whole deal because it was a huge deal in my in So my a huge homecoming. Yes, it was. So, um, it, and it was funny, no funny, but, um, how can I say it felt great, Yeah, you know, having all that support, but at the same time felt like, oh my God, now everybody knows now I have to, you know, people now know yeah. your name. Well, people it, now know the, was, you're, you're representing. It was, yes. It was more like a pride, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Most um, definitely. Uh, one of those things, but you know, my parents. Even with that, newspapers and everything, since mm-hmm. I was, you know, started winning medals since Peru, mm-hmm. 1996, all that time. Um, th- that's how life's changed. I will be in newspapers with a pistol. Right. I will be in a newspaper, in right. a sports section, because I want a medal here, I want a medal there. Right. But um, my parents always kept me like, okay, you're in a newspaper, you want a medal, but go and clean your bedroom. <laughs> go and do the dishes you know always keeping you stay grounded yeah oh they they make sure i was staying grounded <laughs> probably you know as a teenager you want to be whatever and, right you know? so you know again uh he's been a good blessing to carry that first that t- those teachings and right. carrying that on my life yeah so let's go to the olympics yes what year was that this 2000. 2000 Olympics. In Sydney, Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia, yeah. And I've watched the Olympics for years, of uh-huh. course. And when you get to the opening ceremonies. Oh, my gosh, yes. Explain that moment 
to what, how can you express and explain that moment to people? Well, it was to me, even going to knowing go, that I was going to the Olympic Games right. was surreal yeah. until I, I would say I was like going out there at okay. the, uh, you know, Back in my head was like, oh my God, you know, what, I, what happened if something, if I don't go, you know, yeah. not the best way to think, but right. you can't avoid the spots, you know, but until I was there, I was like, okay, I am an Olympian. I'm here with the best of the best in the world, like only a 0.000, whatever yeah. can be in this place. Um, and we, they gather us in a big stadium. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a basketball stadium before the before the opening ceremonies. Yes. Okay. So during the the opening ceremony, mm-hmm. so what they were doing was like they were uh, going through countries. Yes. While all the instead of having all the athletes standing in lines yes. waiting, they will keep us here and then they move us around. Got it. You know, kind of rotation kind of thing. Got it. And you know, it was super cool because you see all these people from different countries, from different parts of the world, and then you hear from their USA, yeah. USA, and then us here, Venezuela, Venezuela, <laughs> and and you know all that pride, all that emotions, right, um, and happiness. It's, it, and it was almost like a blending thing. It did not matter if you know it was not a rivalry thing. Right. It was like that pride that we are here right. with the same common thing we're looking to do our best and represent our countries right. and then we walk we were walking outside and walking inside and see all the flashes and because i was in the inauguration yeah um it was just surreal wow. it was just amazing actually the church and and everything um it was just amazing um obviously we missed the the beautiful things, right. you know, the, 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 the acts and all right, that stuff. Right, but right. just then it was funny because I will never forget one of the guys. I was always with, uh, two guys. One, he used to do, um, boats or something, one type of competition, the other one fencing. Okay. And I have my shooting, uh, team Felipe too. Right. But I got very good friends with these two guys. And right. we we're always together everywhere. Right. And I'll never forget. He said, Cabby. Take my camera, please. I see Peyton. I didn't know who Peyton was. Okay. It's Peyton. And I couldn't, I cannot <laughs> take away from my head his face. Like, Peyton, Peyton. <laughs> Taking a picture, I think he's a basketball player. Okay. Peyton. To take a picture from the USA team. He right. was like, you know, like we were there with our own heroes. Right. You know, it's like you're there with the people, or at least me, I'm not going to talk for other people. Right. To me, people, I thought they were superhumans. Right. <laughs> you of know? course. Who go to to the Olympic Games? So it was definitely surreal. You know, you hear stories about how you know everything's exciting, everything's fanfare, everything's happening. Then all of a sudden, you got to put yourself into your game mode. How easy or hard was it? Once you get to a point where we just did open ceremonies, it's a party. Everybody's glad to be here. You're meeting all these people in Olympic Village. You're, you know, everything's just controlled chaos. Yeah. And then it's time to perform. Yes. How do you mentally or how did you mentally prepare yourself for that? I thought I did. Okay. I don't think I did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It was good enough. (laughs) Um, I was very, very, very nervous. Okay. Um. Especially when I learned that my 
woman shooter who Chinese Tao okay. Luna. Okay. She had won until that point on a world championship. So I look up to her like, oh my God, she is like amazing. Right. I, she almost in my you know, amazing means she looks like a robot. Right. <laughs> you know, it's okay. like, how can she do that? I can pose. Well, she shot in front of me. Oh wow. I I mean, I'm not gonna say that's that way broken, yeah. but it was one of those things like, oh my God, I'm like right there next to the one possible Olympic champion. Right. Um, I did not shoot my best okay. at the Olympics. Um, I was very nervous. I was more dancing around the nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tense fell somewhere there. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, one one story though. My yes. coach, because I was not paying, trying not to pay attention to what she was doing whatsoever, but my coach told me that uh she had like, uh, you know, the scores go, we shoot 40 rounds, 40 pellets. Okay. In like 10 series, right? Mm-hmm. 100, 100, 100, 400 points, right? Makes sense. So her first series was like, I don't know, like 97. Okay. Then she shot a 98. So she's down five points, which is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. But then she shot a 95 or something like that. Right. Well, the story goes that her coach bring her back in and um, he kind of like wah, wah, wah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm just exaggerating. Yeah, I know, of course. <laughs> the Olympic know. sport behind the lens. <laughs> this is what really happens. No, continue, please. <laughs> but literally, he yeah. literally like, shoot, girl. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know why he told yeah, her. She went back and she showed like a 199 or whatever. Oh, wow. And this woman wins the breaks the Olympic record, wow. Olympic record, right. wins the Olympic medal. Wow. wow. So talk about amazing people. And, um, and, and, you know, being at that level, it's amazing overall. Of course. You know, where, where did you finish at? I think I finished like 39. Okay. Yeah. It was there's a different mental mindset altogether in that environment. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to put excuses in it. Right. I was just nervous. No, I got it. You I know what it. I mean? I was just nervous. I was like, I could, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put those nerves down. Okay. And at that level is who I, remember, this is Airbnb, so you don't move. Right. Nothing. In sports like this, USPSA probably being nervous, you know, being running kind of helps, you know, the yes. heartbeat. Okay. But in, in, in Airbnb, Olympic shooting. It comes down who can control that mind, who can control those emotions right. and the best. Wow. Know that they don't yeah. get nervous right. and they don't get anxious, but whoever can control the, those biological, um, you know, effects right. better. Did you have another opportunity after that to go to again what? for the Olympics again? Well, funny that you mentioned it. I was Olympic hope for Athens 2004. Okay. And especially after I went to the South American Games in 2000. Two right. and I won three gold medals. Oh wow! So after the Olympics, got funny the, thing. After yes. the at the Olympics, you I got rid gold. of silver and started getting yes, gold. Yes, I was going. I won gold go the uh, Bolivarian Games, right? And then uh, the South American Games. Okay. And then I was supposed to go to the Central American Games, right? And I was already like, yeah, you. I mean, I had already won three gold medals. Had a four option of gold medal, and I said no. I'm going to the United States, and I left everything behind. Uh, yeah okay yeah oh okay i didn't know this um yeah. <laughs> bear with me <laughs> you had the opportunity yeah to 
go do the Olympics again. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Very, very, I wasn't that. You, you had the, you had the, you had one more match to go. It sounds like about to qualify two, about two. by two. Yeah. Okay, and you decided to go to the United States. Yeah. Explain me what. <laughs> explain to me what the opportunities were that you saw to to change your life like that. You know, uh, I was. Ooh. It's all good. <laughs> like I was mentioning you too earlier when I was coming yesterday. Mm -hmm. that I was like, man, if somebody sees or learns about my life and everything things have done, it seems like while I'm in the peak, I make it harder Yeah, for some reason. But then I, in the same talking, thinking those thoughts yesterday, and I think they, it's, it's almost like a stepping back, but more like a catapult. Okay. You know, you have to step back yeah. to let it go and then you go even further. Yes. So I... It was that. So before I went to the South American Games, I came here to the United States. Okay. Um, had a boyfriend back then. Okay. He he was living here for quite a while, and he right. wanted me to to come in and 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 be here in the United States too. Okay. But I was like, I have no immigration status. Right. I have nothing to do there. What I'm going to do? So anyway. I, we went to a book fair and in millions of people in Miami, I look next to me and there's a girl who went with me to the Olympic Games as a tennis player. Oh, wow. So this is two years later. Yeah. And she gave me information for her lawyer. And then I applied for an extraordinary ability visa on an O-1 visa. Okay. And while I was here, that's then I get a call from my parents and this Shooting feather, Venezuelan shooting federation who learned uh -huh. I was in the United States. Where are you? We oh, have no. tickets to go to the world championship in Finland mm -hmm. and Brazil. When they say Brazil, I say I'm on it because I was one of the only countries that I kind of regretted at that point that I never visited. Okay. Mind it, I was 21 and had already visited about 10 countries. Right. And I won my, went back to Venezuela. Right. Uh, went to the world championship, went, went okay because I, I was not training that much back then. I trained hard, went to the South American Games, win, won my three gold medals. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is my retirement Olympic shooting. <laughs> I have a path to go to the United States and I see a future. I, I foresaw a better future here in the United States than what I was seeing already in Venezuela with Hugo Chavez and the socialists. You know. And that's what I was getting ready to ask. When you left Venezuela, yeah, had the social socialist side started already? Oh yeah, it okay. had. It was starting in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. We as a shooter, mm -hmm. I already uh, we were feeling the the effects. Okay. You know, guns were uh, restricted. Ammunition it wasn't easy to get. It was hard for me to train too. Okay, so it started happening yeah. when you through that when you was there because mm -hmm. you the country we've all seen the country go from this extraordinary. Yeah. Seen to now it doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work. And unfortunately, it's just been what to a little over 20 years. Right. But if you ask a 30 year old Venezuelan, mm -hmm. they don't know any different. The 30, 25 year old, they don't know mm -hmm. any different. That's the scary part. It is. It is. So I do remember Venezuela before. I know Venezuela. You know, I'm not going to say it was like the United States, right. but I could go to a grocery store as I can go to a Wegmans or a shelf. Publix. Right. Yeah, anything. Right. Color, shape, flavors, 
whatever you name you name it, I could find it anywhere. When you see what you see mm-hmm. on the news, yeah, and what's happening in the United States, do you get very passionate because of what you see going down some of the same lines, or is it different? I would say it's sincerely it's somewhat different. Okay. Okay. Somewhat different. Um, and, and again, and within the difference, there's some similarities. Okay. Okay. So the different part of it is that in my mind, I say, okay, here in the United States, we have more educated people. Yeah. Okay. We have different technologies that people can really research, can okay. really read, can really, really understand. So that's a part difference that I see, mm-hmm. you know, back in Venezuela, uh, many people would say, ah, oh, uh, to, uh, friends, Cuban friends who were there, they mm-hmm. would say, ah, oh, that would never happen here. Cuba is an island. Venezuela is not an island. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, but again, the information, the getting information from Cuba was a lot different mm-hmm. than nowadays that people post on Instagram from directly from Cuba. Right. And you can see those things. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's a different part. The similar part is that you talk to many Americans, educated Americans, and you right. say, do it. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly the same path, but you still see similar, similar path. You know, the pattern right. is very similar. And they say, oh, no, it's, it's not going to happen here. And so that's when you say, well, you know, this has nothing to do with education or even intellect. Some I and I, something I discussed with many people is that I do believe here in America, people have this thing of um, uh, altruism, altru- uh, love to be altruistic, which yes. is great, right? But the altruism also takes them into, oh, that's okay. Let's give money away for everybody. Right. And then you think back, sit back and you say, okay, but what is the real benefit of it? Right. I get it. You want to help. You want to help those in need. Right. But how is that really going to help them and everyone else? Right. You know? So, um, it's a, it's a different dynamic. It's a different thought process, mm-hmm. you know, and I hear it more, more often than not from people who have good means to say that kind of stuff. Right. And so it's, it's, it's very interesting, the dynamics, how social and the social psychology, right. you know, how things move and how politicians take, uh, that take advantage of it right. to move around. They don't say it's a different dynamic in Venezuela. Right. You know, the, the way they communicate it to the population here is justice. Now, what, what is the justice you're looking for? Right. Uh, economic equality. But what is the equality they're looking for? Yeah, because you know? you've had the you've had the opportunity to talk to politicians mm-hmm. on both sides of the aisle with the D.C. project. Right. And you're very proud to be a part of that yeah, organization, of working with Diana and all the other wonderful women across yes. the United States. But what was your first experience trying to talk to somebody that did not agree with you who was in a role of being a senator or, or uh, a congressman they, like dismissive. that? Dismissive. Okay. You know, dismissive. They're not rude. They're not going to say anything, but they were like, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. But you know, you by their demeanor, you, you, you can sense that they... You are not changing their minds. And, mm-hmm. and that's why we do, our goal is not necessarily to change their minds, but educate. To tell, yes, but educate, telling yep. our stories, true stories. Listen, you know, people talk a lot about oh, the rich and the poor, the 1%, the 10%. I'm like, I'm not rich. 
Right. You know what I mean? But I also don't want the government to tell me how rich I should or shouldn't be. Right. Or, or that too for my son. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, so it, it is very interesting how people are willing to let the government deal with their own success right. for a common good mm-hmm. that they have no idea how that what that common good is going to look like. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Because it's one of those things, you know, do you, you have friends there still? I do. I do have and friends. And- is it a situation where, you know, you, you get to see what's still happening and how things aren't changing through your friends oh. and, and other people that you know growing up. It, 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 any story I tell you, you know, we can talk about socioeconomic, yeah. social, um, anything. And in, in, in your mind will be you're like, how is that possible? To give right. an example. And this is one of the reasons why I really like the, the election system here. Right. The electoral college. Right. Different than, you know, majority. Like in Venezuela, Caracas is like a, a facade. You know, it's like entrance. So you imagine you go into a, ha- into a house and you enter and you just see this amazing living room. You don't go to the private rooms or anything, but you assume that everything else should be wonderful. Everything else should be great. Right. So Caracas, you find everything. You know, you have grocery stores. You can find, you know, stuff. Yes. But you go to the, you have friends and, you know, the other all the other states and cities and you can't find anything so right. you have to drive four hours to really get cokes and, wow. and get groceries you know shopping yeah and so you know but you know that's where the you know vast majority of the people are even though venezuelan like electoral system is completely different and i say it's rigged right um uh, back in venezuela but uh well we have a we don't have a democracy in Venezuela. Right. There's a dictatorship. That's right. But um, but yeah. So, you know, it's 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 a very interesting and different and weird dynamic. Right. That can happen when this type of uh, political ideologies. Are you excited and proud to work through the DC project to be that voice? To had the experience to be able to talk about things like we talked about today with other people in, in at, at DC when y'all go every year? I do. I'm okay. very proud of Dee, what she's done. Yes. And all the ladies who worked. I mean, I, I, I humbly can say I don't work as hard as they do. Right. You know, um, I have things in life that right now is tying me like full-time student. Yeah. You know, and, and my son and all that stuff. But um uh, having that opportunity to go out there and speak with them mm-hmm. and, and, and value that, you know, right. in Venezuela, you cannot do that. And probably most of countries, you cannot just go and talk, you know, face to face to a legislator. Right. And you can do here that here in the United States. You can actually call, you can demand, you know, action. You can demand, you know, respect my rights, respect my second amendment rights. That's right. You know, and you can do that. And, and it's, it's a right that we all have. And I see many people who are like, ah, I, I just don't. And I'm like, no, you know, cherish that. Yeah. Cherish, embrace it and, and take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Because many people around the world don't have that benefit. You, do you see Americans as a whole take so much for granted based on what we think is could be taken we, we don't as americans we don't think it that could happen to us like you said do you, do you does that scare you sometimes i think happens to everybody okay 
you know, I, I, Venezuelans took it for granted. I, I, I took it. I didn't know about this until, you know, 2013 myself, what right. kind of world community we had with the Second right. Amendment. I didn't know anything. Right. But until I was but, educated and got, you know, the, right. the, flip, the switch flipped, it changed my whole thought process. Right. Venezuelans so. were, you know, took it for granted that all was going to be cents forever. Mm-hmm. It was going to cost cents forever. That, you know what we say in Venezuela? That we were rich and we didn't know it. Right. That's a saying that we say in Venezuela. We were rich and we didn't know it. Wow. So here we are blessed. Yes, we you are. You know, here as me, obviously as an immigrant. Yes. I have gone through divorce, unemployment, heart rock bottom. Right. And here I am. Yes, you are. You see? So when I t- when people tell me, oh, you know, this country is hard. I'm like, Yeah. Hell is hard and feel blessed that this country is hard because it gives you the opportunity to dream big. You know what is the, what is miserable to something easy, but the cap is here. Right. You cannot go beyond that when you have so much to give, so much to do. And so when I tell people, when people say, oh, that this kind of like, <laughs> God bless the United States of America. Wow. You know? And, and, and so if anything I could tell people is that cherish what we have, but also be active. Yes. Be willing to make a phone call to legislators. Be willing to be aware for, you know, school boards, you know, meetings or what's going on with around them, how they can help with the community. Um, you know, I think that it's, not only for themselves, but even for, if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your child. Right. You know, for your grandchildren. Yeah. You know, but think more logically, not emotionally. <laughs> Gabby, I'm so proud of you. Oh. <laughs> you, you, you're you an inspiration. You have been an inspiration to me since we first met uh-huh. back in 19, I think. And and the hearing all the stories you talked about on other, all the other shows you've done, I couldn't wait to get to talk to you because we're going to cut this one off today at part one because you got to get ready to go shoot. I'll I'll, I'll grab you again in another match and we'll talk about how you got into shooting because it's a whole other story. But I wanted to cover this today. I wanted people to hear your passion. (laughs) I wanted to hear, you know, you have gone through hard times. You had their things, but you found your way through because of America oh, yeah. and having the opportunities oh, yeah. and you support great people like Walter primary arms, you yeah. know, so many people. And you, have, well, thank, thank you. you but so, so, much. so many things that you've come to, you know, embrace your shooting community mm-hmm. with the people that you represent beautifully. Thank you. And, you know, just thank you so much for taking the time today. So thank you for having me. Anything else real quick. You want to let people know, about how to get in touch with you or anything right now or just wait to the next one? Well, they can do? just, you know, follow me on Instagram. Yes. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yes. YouTube, and as many I can handle. Those are pretty much the ones I can handle with everything else I, I do. You manage all uh, that yourself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> one person <laughs> deal here. But right. um, now, you know, nothing be good, be safe, train hard, and more importantly, yes, love what you do and remember that for all the shooters out there who compete, especially who compete here. Yes. Remember, this is what we do. Know who we are. So enjoy it. 
wonderfully said. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. I will get Gabby again soon and we will talk about her shooting career and where she's at now. But until next time, we'll see you at the range soon. Thanks, Gabby. Thank you.